0: everybody welcome back to the podcast i hope that you're doing so so well today at the time when this podcast is actually being delivered i am currently in florida at Disney World for my honeymoon, which is super exciting. I can't wait to tell you more about it when I come back from vacation. And I hope that you're also having the most wonderful time. So, in today's podcast episode, I'm actually really excited because we have our team member, Julie, coming on to talk about us about body politics. So Julie is a registered social worker, and at the core of Julie's work, it's the belief that people are people and problems are problems. People are not their problems, and she holds those values really near and dear to her heart. So Julie works with all of her clients from an anti-oppressive framework where you are considered an expert in your own life experiences, and I think this is so valuable, and we're going to touch more on this in this podcast. So Julie and her client worked together in finding how their experience lined up with research and adapting their mental health care to meet what they are feeling and dealing with their day-to-day life. So within this podcast episode, we are going to be talking about body politics and that how, how those actual values will transfer in Julie's work. But we thought that this topic of body politics was really important. If you've been listening to this podcast episode, we talk a lot about diet culture. We talk a lot about systems of oppression and body politics is one of those other social justice movements that is really important for us to be aware of. And Julie will talk to us about it today. So we're going to talk about what our body politics, how does that actually, you know, like why do we need to address it? what is our own responsibility within that and how it actually ties into like body positivity and all of the things. So this conversation I think is very much of a conversation starter and it's really meant to really have these deep and important conversation and you're going to see throughout the podcast it's a very nuanced conversation. So I hope that you're really going to enjoy this one and if you have any questions about this or you want to be part of the conversation, be sure to pop on my Instagram and comment on the podcast post so we can talk more about these really, really important topics. On that note, my friend, let's get into the podcast. Today we have Julie here, and I'm super pumped because Julie's actually part of the bounce practice team, and she's just an awesome human. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Hello, Julie.
1: Hi, Mary Pierre. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I am so pumped. We've been talking prior to
1: the podcast, and I'm like, okay, if we don't press record, we're never gonna record. <laughs> Not gonna get to any of the good stuff on the record. No. it'll just be exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um,
0: so before we get into today's topic, which I think is gonna be really interesting, um, how about you tell us maybe a little bit more about yourself, your origin story, and what got you to do the work that you do today?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um so oh, when I think about my origin story, I like literally I'm like, Julie was born in this place. <laughs> um So I was born in Ajax, Ontario, near Toronto, um, and lived there for most of my life. I am the second child of five kids. So I had a really busy house growing up. Um, I have an older sister and three younger brothers, um, and, uh, my mom's side of my family is francophone. So I went to a French school growing up, a little French public school. I had a graduated class of six. We were a very small school. <laughs> um, and, uh, cause the GTA, the francophone community is really, really small. Whereas in Ottawa, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was little, I wanted to be a singer uh, and music was like everything. I think that's like kind of reflective of like how sensitive I am and like emotionally, I don't know, it's just my stuff. Um, so yeah, just like a really sensitive, deeply feeling person. Um, and so I was thinking about that, like idea recently a lot. And I had all of these like memories flood back of me, like sitting at recess and talking to my friends about like what was going on in their lives and how they were dealing with, you know, whatever was going on at home and stuff like that. And it wasn't uncommon for me to be in that role. So I don't know I just think it's really interesting to think about that
0: yeah that <laughs> like you were like
1: always that person who was like hey let's talk about how
0: things are going
1: yeah, yeah you it was just, like you already had that in you mm-hmm. like it was just like a very big part of who I've always been like I just always liked supporting people with their feelings mm-hmm. I had a lot of feelings too um mm-hmm. And then in high school, uh, I decided, I think in about grade nine or 10, that I wanted to be a therapist. Um, Because I had a friend who uh, passed away from suicide in high school, actually. Uh, And that was around the time that I wanted to pursue this as my career to start working with people who were dealing with mental health issues. I didn't know that I'd end up in eating disorder work at the time. That was more of like a later discovery. Um, But that was always something that was really important to me after that had happened. Mm-hmm. And then later in high school, uh mm-hmm. school just got really hard and I got diagnosed with ADHD, which was really cool and interesting. I learned a lot about myself through that experience. Um and then I went to college for social services work a few years after high school and uh had a lot of put a lot of pressure on myself at that time because I just really wanted to do well in school um and then uh, that's kind of when like disordered eating and diet culture kind of got the grips of me and um it took a few years to figure that out but when I went to university I ended up doing a women's studies minor and I took I had a prof who asked me to take his body politics class um and I did because I really liked that prof and that is kind of how diet culture came into my awareness and became this issue that I was really passionate and cared a lot about because I could see you know all the effects of it in Mm -hmm. my life and in the life of people that I cared about and yeah so that's also why I chose the topic that I did for today to like talk to you about or for us to have a chat about Mm -hmm. that it was like super influential for me in terms of like how I approach I don't know therapy in life I guess. Yeah, no, I
0: love that so much, and thank you so much for sharing your your story with us and why you decided to become a therapist and then specialize with, specialize with eating disorder and disordered eating because we need we need more
1: folks yeah. doing this
0: work. Uh, yeah. But I'd love for them to get into the topic. So when we think of body politics, so I'm thinking about there's probably some people that even hear this term and have like no clue what we're talking about. So can we just talk about like, what is actually body politics? Like, what are we talking about here?
1: yeah I was, th- I was thinking the same thing when i was like this should be our topic and i was like we should really break down what that means <laughs> yeah. even, even when i took the course i remember i think i was like halfway through the course and i was like i don't even really know what body topic is <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
0: you're like wait, wait, the class
1: am i in right now <laughs> and that's when you know it's a really abstract concept is when you're halfway through the course and you don't know what the title of the course means <laughs> yet, is like this is a very abstract idea um, so I was kind of like, you know, I was like, should I do my readings again? Like, should I whatever? Like, but I didn't. I was like, we can do this. So the way the thing that I came up with is body politics is a term to describe how political systems are enacted on our bodies. Um, so if we think about the systems that we have to engage with out in the world, our medical system, our policing system, our scholastic systems, those things and how they are all quite political and how our bodies are the receiving, are on the receiving end of a lot of those politics is how I think about that term. Could we give like an example? Um, yes, we can. I definitely thought of it. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, so if I think about like that fat bodies don't necessarily have access to life-saving surgeries or organ donations. Um, if I think about like women having access to reproductive health care, um, if I think about um, racial justice and the state-sanctioned violence that police are allowed to enact on Black bodies or racialized bodies, um, things like that, that are deeply political, but our understanding of those political issues. Are influenced by the body that we occupy, and the spaces that we enter into. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard no. It it is, is it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think it's really important. And I wanted you to give examples because it can be abstract when we think of like, like politics and our body. And I think also like for, I know for me. It didn't clue in that way. Um, I mean, growing up and all, because it's just so normalized that you don't even think about it as like a whole concept. It's almost kind of like that it just is, you know, like we don't question it because it's just
1: yeah is.
0: And then when you start questioning it, you're like, Holy, oh my god. (laughs) 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 And that's
1: something that's something that I explain in therapy all the time, is that like I am trying to bring consciousness and language to things that are so pervasive and present in our worlds that it feels like a fish in water. We don't even notice that it's there. It's just in the air that we breathe. It's in the conversations that we have every day, right? It's just present. And and we don't necessarily question its presence because of how common it is, right? We don't see any uniqueness. To mm-hmm. our experience with diet culture or with body politics, And so we just think that that's how life has to be. Mm-hmm.
0: And can we talk maybe a little bit about like why is it important to address? Why is it not something, you know, I mean, I think folks here, like they know a lot about diet culture. Like if you've been a listener on the podcast, we yeah. bring up every week. <laughs> like it's definitely
1: not something that new we know.
0: information. That, not <laughs> new information, but in terms of body politics, like why is it something that we need to address? Like why is it maybe not as supportive anymore, and why do we want to start
1: challenging it? Mm-hmm. I'm a therapist, so I work with people on their relationship with themselves a lot of the time, right? And body politics is really talking about our relationship with our community and with society. Right? How the things even beyond our family systems or even our within our family systems these body politics can arise. But I'm thinking about like my school, my police unit, my, you know, my parks that I attend or my all sorts of different political systems that exist or recreational things. Like that care, system, the healthcare system is huge, absolutely. Um, and, Like when we think about like what kinds of things people have access to based on their bodies and what they can do, is really the thing that makes me think that it's important um, Mm -hmm. to talk about because we don't. When I think about all of us being free from diet culture, right? I don't want anyone left behind. Is the biggest thing, right? And so if we focus on you know someone who looks like me, who's like a mid-sized white woman, cis etc, right, then not everyone is going to be free from like these ideas and impositions on our bodies of what's a good body and what's a bad body. If it's only liberating me, there's a lot of people who deal with more oppression than I do, who aren't going to be free from those things. So the thing that the best example I could think of was like when they were passing legislation for, uh, for gay Rights, like uh, people who are who are attracted to the same sex or same gender. There was an opportunity to include trans people in that legislation. I think this is in the u s, but I'm not sure I'd have to like actually look into the thing I'm thinking about. But there was an opportunity to include trans people in that legislation, but they knew that it wouldn't pass. And so trans people are still fighting for those basic human rights because they weren't a part of the discussion because they just wanted to get the legislation through um and when I think about my own personal politics or body politics I if I'm going to be free from diet culture or fat phobia or weight stigma I want all of us to be free from that and I think it's really important for us to think about who is privileged in the conversations about why we shouldn't like mess with diet culture or mess with weight stigma um and that you know, I'm, I have like a long history of military people in my family. And so I'm very big on this like idea of no man left behind. Um, yeah, yeah. Like a big thing for us is that like you go back for the person who's not safe, right? You don't leave them alone with the problem. Um, so when I think about that, I just feel like all of us should be able to be free from this. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to me.
0: Yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense, right, and, like, I mean, we can talk about all the different levels, like, we can talk in, like, our work with eating disorder, disordered eating, but also just, like, socially in general, and all those systems that we need to break down, so it is, like, like, would you, would you call this, like, a social justice system, like, that we are, yeah. Yeah, I would say, it's like, a
1: social justice, like, framework, or, like, discussion, Um, because, like, you know, whether or not we are conscious of the fact that we're having discussions about body politics, like we have them quite often, right? Like when I think about um, like organ transplant recipients and like the fact that they have to be a certain weight to to receive a new set of lungs or a new heart or a new whatever, um, that's that impacts like people's lives so intensely, right? Like, and that like, people are literally losing their lives. Because they can't lose weight or they shouldn't have to lose weight, or you know the medical system is saying that it won't be a successful surgery. And I don't really know the statistics around that or anything, but i I do think it's a conversation we need to think about. Um, is that like people can't necessarily control their weight. So can we maybe consider measuring their behaviors and like their health behaviors um, and their candidacy for that kind of surgery or something like that? What would have to change? For us to be more inclusive to people who have larger bodies who need health care mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of like the listener listening to this right now who's like okay like we can understand like body politics like politics or like the way the system is currently that is um oh my god i'm gonna butcher this word i don't know why i can't bring it discriminatory discriminatory Yeah, that word
1: discriminates
0: against different bodies based on whatever criteria is that they come from right and I think that we can all agree that like, it is a huge issue and if, if we tie that in with like the topics that we're very familiar with like with diet culture, it is a huge issue when we don't have the same access when people are stigmatized when not all bodies are safe bodies. Like when your body is actually not safe to live in because of the system that we live in, like, it's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. But if we talk about like, I don't know how to word this, but like responsibility of like, what do we do with all of this? So even you like taking this class and doing this work and being such an important value for you, like, what do we do with this information when we're like, okay, shit, like, this is not great. You know, like, and like, there's a lot of stuff to change. Like, I think, like, I always see it as, like, the two levels. On, like, personal level, like, what is me, my responsibility? What are the things that I can do to change? Maybe for me, my own reality, maybe for the people around me. Yeah. And then on a systemic level, like, what are those things that would need to change? Like, what would that look like if it didn't exist?
1: Yeah. Oh, those are such great questions. I'm just thrilled uh-huh. that we're even going in this direction. That makes me so happy. Um, so one the first thing that comes to mind is like the personal is political so when we heal our bodies and we are are even just existing in a body that is recovered from diet culture whether that means that your body changed or whether it means that you have spoken to your family about your challenges with food or body or whatever right our existence resists those structures just by virtue of existing in a body that is you know for me with larger I'm not I'm not a small person um but like just by existing in this body and believing that I deserve to take up space people can see a different opportunity it's a gift for us to be sitting in our liberation okay can we like repeat that like that is like
0: goals guys like if you can like just ingrain this in our brain right now
1: Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people who are in recovery like they really struggle with like self-worth self-esteem right Mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's easier for us to do it for other people and you know I would love for anybody to be able to do that for themselves and for you know wearing a bikini to the beach if that's like that was something that was so hard for me um wearing a two-piece to the beach at all was like so difficult for so Mm -hmm. many reasons um but like doing that I've had so many peers who have told me that they bought a bikini and wore it because they saw me doing it Mm -hmm. right and that our liberation is not one direction right people see us and feel liberated by that and then go and do the same thing I
0: love that so much and it's like this uh I think like famous quote now that like hurt people, hurt people and heal people, heal people. Like when you give yourself that permission to heal and you do the work on yourself, like the impact that you have is huge. It's so, so big. And I really love like that, like the virtue of existing in the body that you have, that you're just like giving permission to others to do the same.
1: Like Like that unapologetic existence, that unapologetic, just like And that's why I love Sonia Renee Taylor's work. So (sighs) she's just like, the body is not an apology. And I'm like, yes, like you don't have to apologize for your body. You don't have to opt out of like these rich, beautiful experiences that life offers us. Like I was a lifeguard for the longest time as a teenager and young adult. And my own experience with my body made it complicated for me to enjoy the water. And now like I just get to be so present and like mm-hmm. in it and like that that's so liberating for other people is so thrilling to me because I remember yeah. being in a place where I needed to see people who looked like me doing things like that. Um, and that helped me feel like it was possible. And that like also that those women I thought looked beautiful and like there was nothing wrong with them um, and they looked like me. And so that was so helpful. And so when I think about, like, the larger systemic pieces, right, is not forgetting that, like, it's not just about my experience, and that there are other people who still aren't seeing themselves in media, right? Like, when a when a business announces, especially in the last few years, it's been so common, they're like, we're going size inclusive, and then they go up to, like, a size 16, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> that's not quite what size inclusive means to me, yeah. <laughs> Um as, Can we review the term
0: inclusive,
1: please? Yeah. Can we talk about inclusivity and tokenism and what the difference is, please? Um, but I also think that there's a bit of virtue signaling that happens with companies because they want people to come and buy their products. Um, and. And in capitalism, like there's no ethical consumption in capitalism. So you kind of just have to do your best is kind of how the way that I've started approaching my consuming of goods and services is like just trying to do my best with like the resources that I have. And so when I think about like our own personal responsibility to political life, right, is really like doing what we can and holding ourselves responsible for how much power and influence we have. Right, so you're not the person who decides who gets surgeries and who doesn't, right? <laughs> like, I'm not, you're not. It would probably be very different if I was the one in charge of that. But, you know, we have the opportunity to vote. And if there's a political issue that's on the table, then we can write our MPs or MPPs, depending on who's involved. Um, there there's just an election yesterday, actually, like the day we're recording is the day after the provincial election. So, you know, that was a huge opportunity for us to, like, be politically engaged um, and vote for someone that we think would, you know, be inclusive of that kind of stuff. And so that's the big thing is, like, I find when people in therapy are working through this idea of, like, being more politically active or politically engaged, it can feel really disempowering because you're coming to grips with the fact that, like, we don't have that much power or influence. Mm -hmm. And so I always think about where where I can do the work. And so for me, it's in the relationships with my clients, right? Because like, that's my work is talking to them about the systems and talking to them about how it would be unfair for other people as well. And that we should really work to protect them in our society. Um, And I hope that my clients, you know, really think about that and take time to think about what kind of influence they have at their workplace or within their family systems or within their friend circles because when we all have this like really intentional dialogue about a topic I think about like Black Lives Matter in June 2020 everybody was talking about Black liberation and Black issues and I think if we can all, you know, have conversations like that, where we're influencing the people around us and encouraging them to learn about these things um, and be more compassionate, that like we could have a much more inclusive world that's not like ruled by like that Hey,
0: hey, hey, I'm just stopping this podcast episode to tell you about the Food Freedom Club. Man, when we're talking about all of this, stuff when we're talking about all of the different layers that get us to a place where we stop trusting our bodies, that we start feeling like our body's not safe, and it starts to change our relationship with food. It just brings me all the way back when I was a teenager in my early 20s, when I was so obsessed with changing my body and micromanaging everything that I ate food felt really, really difficult. I was constantly battling with it, constantly thinking about it. Um, And I honestly did not know any other way, right? Everybody, you know, diets and does all of these things and it gets really, really sneaky. But like we've talked about in this podcast, then we get to this place of like liberation where you just get to live and to show up the way that you want to. And I so, so, so want that for you too one of the really great first steps that you can take is join the Food Freedom Club. So the Food Freedom Club is your safe space, your community, your anti-diet community, where we get to talk about all things food from a positive perspective. And in, in this Food Freedom Club, you're also gonna get access to the Food Body Mind Framework which is the framework that I take clients through to really have a better relationship with food. So we'll talk about rejecting diet culture and letting go of those harmful beliefs. And we also go through becoming an intuitive eater, emotional eating, and becoming an empowered eater. You're also gonna be having the recipe vault, which is changed up every few months. So you get like nice, easy recipes, meal planning guides, and all the things you need to make nutrition feel easy food doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to feel like it's controlling us or feel like it's a battle. Food gets to feel easy. And that's what we have inside the Food Freedom Club. So if you're interested in joining, you can check out the link in the show note and you can join today for $44. So go check out the link in the show note. And on that note, let's get back to the episode. Well, yeah, because when we know better, we do better, and I think also, like, uh, this piece of, like, education and awareness is huge, because just like you, like, I didn't think I had access to feeling free in my body. Like, it was never a thing that, like, and again, like, we're just, like, taught in these systems, and we're raised in these systems of, like, what, and, like, in my experience, like, a woman's body should look like, and what you should do with your body, and how, pleasant and appealing you must be to everybody and I never had this I like it never crossed my mind that I could just be and that would be enough yeah never and then when you
1: yeah when I introduced that idea in therapy people like I wish you could see their faces I'm like what if you are enough just because you woke up this morning
0: yeah and it's that huge and like not falling into because before like my go-to it was like it's not enough like I need to show and I need to do it but like when you actually get to this place of like believing that me just now as I am is good and like I don't need to validate or prove or do anything or justify and I mean again like still privileges of like not all bodies have that privilege right now like I don't believe that we're there yet I think we're slowly getting there which is like
1: I hope so. <laughs> but
0: like, it's huge. Like when we don't even like acknowledge that that is something that we can do, and I think that's why I like these conversations are so important because some of these ideas are so ingrained in our brain to be like, I can't even imagine just putting on a bathing and going to the gym and actually enjoying my life in the body that I have. Can't even imagine not trying to lose weight for this season and trying
1: to be different. Absolutely. It's like mind-boggling. And I think as well, like there's such a huge piece of like our bodies, like when I think about myself, and we're both white women, so like we'll just name that. We're both white women. Like my hair is not that political. It's quite acceptable, right? My features, my nose, my mouth, my face, my ears, my teeth, my skin. All of it is quite palatable to the general public. It's just like, do you get what I'm saying? Like there's, Mm -hmm. there are these elements and pieces that allow me to feel a sense of safety because there is not danger when I go out into the world, just me versus me most of the time, right? Other than the misogyny, misogyny is very present. The misogyny is so big, but I don't have to deal with elements of like racism, colonialism, white mm-hmm. supremacy, um, even classism. Like I'm pretty privileged when it comes to my class or my income, um, you know? And there's all of these pieces that like make me more palatable. There's kind of, there's this, there's another term that I would introduce but we can't necessarily dive into but it's called respectability politics. And it's like, who's seen as a respectable person and who's not? When to think about like professionalism and like what it is to be professional you need a lot of privilege to be considered professional it's straight hair it's smooth hair it's you know acne-free skin it's makeup on it's you know nice clothes etc etc having your nails done whatever there's so many things that you can list that we're expected to do um I think divesting from that and like opting out of that is empowering to us because then we're living life on our own terms um and also it's empowering to the people around us because they see that that's possible Mm -hmm. and especially when you occupy more i don't know experiences of oppression right when there are more intersections that you hold the more people that you're liberating by doing that
0: This is so good, and I really like this, like, where this conversation, like, went <laughs> in terms of, like, what we get to do and then what the system needs to do, because sometimes you're right, and, like, you've named something a few minutes back around, so there's when we start thinking about all of this and we have these conversations, it feels, like, very disempowering of, like... I'm just this like little ant in this middle of like the jungle and there's nothing that I can do for it to change I don't know why that
1: picture came to my mind of like an ant in a jungle I'm like you're just one person on a flying space rock like what do you (laughs) do yeah (laughs) yeah
0: so it can feel it can feel a lot to talk about these but it's also very important and then even when we see like all the little things that we get to do and all the little ways that we do get to show up and all the things. And it doesn't mean that it comes easy and it doesn't mean that every day you're like, sweet, I'm living my best life. But it is really cool when you're able to get to this space of, I get to opt out of systems just because I was brought up this way, the same way, you know, like thoughts are not facts. Like you're like, Oh shit. Like I don't need to believe everything I'm thinking Yeah. the same way with a lot of these systems that were able to be like, cool. Is there a better way? Is there another way
1: that I want to do this? And how would that look like for me? Absolutely. And I think you touched on such an important piece of this earlier that like, there's a very tangible reality that like, sometimes it's not safe for the body that we occupy. And it depends on who you are and the space that you're in and the time period that you're living in, even the time of day, right? Um, And so that safety piece is so important so that we can think about how we want to use our liberation, right? And are there times where our safety is paramount to everything? We have to stay alive and exist in these systems. And so being really conscious of like what we might be willing to do to like survive and that when we, when we opt back into Diet culture or body politics, that it's likely for our own survival and not because it's a reflection of our values. And that we can subtly resist those things, regardless of how we decide to do whatever, right? So, for example, I grew up in a church where like modesty was like everything, and I had to attend a church function for family reasons, basically. Um, and I decided that I would show up in a tank top because like those were not allowed. Um, and like it may have potentially been a little unsafe to do that but I needed to know that like it was clear to everyone in that space that I didn't agree with that idea or rule that purity culture kind of informs Mm. right
0: yeah I like that it's like those different layers of like you get to make that choice yeah to see what feels right for you
1: yeah and what feels safe enough right Mm -hmm to still like feel like I'm in charge and I can resist this in some way, right? Whether that's how I vote or whether that's how I contact my MPPs, or whether that's how I talk about these political issues with my peers or online. Um, there's ways that we can subtly resist these narratives of like what we're supposed to be doing. And I think that's the most empowering piece, right, is noticing those little subtle pieces of resistance, and like not going along with the problem. That's something we talk about a lot in therapy as well. Like when we talk about like eating disorders, like what have we been doing to not go along with, or resist what the eating disorder has asked of us? Mm-hmm. And oh, that, love- yeah, it just like it can expand so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I love that so much. And I love how it's like, things that we can apply to the systemic level and kind of always bring it back into like every like little decision that we take and that we get to make those decisions, which is really, really cool. And I wanted to connect quickly on like the whole like body positivity movement in this context of like body politics. And
1: what are your thoughts about all of this? (laughs) Loaded question. I have a complicated relationship with body positivity. When I think of body positivity, Let's just like conceptualize what I think of so that we know what I'm talking about when I talk about this. Body positivity to me is, I mean, so body politics and body liberation is kind of what I think about when I think of like the thing that I'm like, yes, I love this. Body positivity, I have a much more nuanced relationship with because my introduction to that community or group was like Instagram. White women on Instagram posting pictures of themselves (laughs) going to the beach and things like that, which was so important for a period of my life. I really needed to see that. It was so, so pivotal for me. It was a game changer. And like, so there's a part of me that feels so grateful and appreciative to that space and how important it was for me to see bodies that looked like mine. And I appreciate now that I'm, you know, I've grown (laughs) that there are people who are in or trying to be in body positive spaces who don't feel like they belong because they don't look like the people who are the loudest in that space or who have the biggest platform. Um, and that's something that, I don't know, I, it just makes me sad. <laughs> it hurts my heart uh, that like the thing that helps me so much is not something that everyone has access to. Um, so, body positivity for me. Oh, and because I think of white women on Instagram is really like the number one thing that comes to mind for me. Um, that it privileges certain bodies and they're the bodies, when we think about body politics, who have the most privilege, who are the most comfortable in this system, despite it being bad for everyone, because weight stigma and fat phobia is bad for all of us, like white supremacy is bad for all of us, but it impacts fat bodies and fat people the most. And they aren't at the center of the discussion with body positivity. Um, and I find that really hard. I think that's been a really big conversation online in the last few months um, is like the people with the biggest platform and with the loudest voice are the people who are impacted by this problem, not the most, basically, are not the most impacted by this problem.
0: Oh my God. And we can talk about this so much too. And I love the way that you've put it in. And it's hard because it's like, it's
1: a both and. It's all- yes
0: because when I, when I see like on this spectrum of like when you're in that place of like very disordered to that place of like full like body liberation and it's an easy first step that's like palatable that we feel okay with that like most women who you, you know like are very big um like influencers in the space that are body positive are also like very palatable women like you said like very good looking women with like the nice white houses and kitchens, and like, you know, like all of the other aspects. So it markers makes of it wealth,
1: markers of yeah, wealth. right Like, yeah. their Beautiful Kitchen and their beautiful living room, like, and what? all their babies with blue eyes. And you're exactly. <laughs> like, Okay. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, exactly.
0: But when you start from that far where you're like hating your body, it's a step that's easier to take, which exactly. is an issue of its own, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's really, it, it makes me think a lot of like this whole piece of health at every size too, of like, I don't know if you were like part, oh, I think you were like a whole definitely. discussion of like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and like for listeners, I know I've talked about it on my Instagram as well, but the the lead person in the health at every size that most people knew does not live in a large body, right? And they're like, it creates a whole bunch of issues, yeah. but it does make it more palatable for some people to start, which is again, an ickiness to all of it so there's so many layers and the same
1: and the same uh critique was given of like the book white fragility by robin d'angelo in june of 2020 like it's very it's very much like that people want to hear the information from someone who looks like them because it's less threatening to that you know that fear that shame or whatever emotion is coming up for them right it's that that it's within their window of tolerance to step into it just a little bit, right? And I think that's so human. So it's very hard for me to criticize. Yeah. Because like when we're doing this work in the beginning, there's so much shame that gets in the Um, way. And shame is so paralyzing as an emotion, right? Like we wanna hide and pull away and be alone um, as like a knee jerk to shame. And I know that when we're starting to reckon with the fact that these ideas are really pervasive in our world and in ourselves can be hard to feel like we can go to the other extreme. So I see a purpose mm-hmm. I see the yeah. I see how it happened, I guess um, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the work of people occupying fat bodies in leading us in under because um, in leading us and that like I saw like an interview with like a feminist author that I really admire and I can't remember who it was but they were speaking to a man about sexism and they were just like women understand sexism the best because it hurts us the most and that's why like I can tell you why masculinity is hurting you because it hurt like patriot or patriarchy I guess um She's like, I can tell you why patriarchy is hurting you because it hurts me in the same way, but it's just bigger or deeper for me, right? And so it's very easy for women to call out patriarchy or to notice sexism. Whereas, you know, if I'm in a thin body or, or something like that, I personally would describe myself as like midsize, kind of between straight-sized and plus-sized, um, and like when we think about the impact of weight stigma and fat phobia, that people occupying fat bodies have the best understanding of how this problem impacts all of us because it hurts them the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love I It's so man, this conversation guys is so nuanced and so many different layers that we're like bringing it up to like attention. Um, but, yeah, and I just want to like say, and like I, I hope that we made that clear too, like there's also no shame in having to start where you need to start. Like, I think when you do look back and you can be like, oh okay, like this is why I see that maybe it is somewhat more problematic or we do need to expand that. Like I think it's an easier thing to say once you are where you're at. Does yeah. that make sense? Like totally. like earlier versions of all of ourselves, like we we all need to start somewhere when we start, like, challenging these ideas that we've been taught our entire life so it's just interesting to have those nuanced conversation though and understanding like how maybe some of these things can also be part of the issue in some way so um, thank you so much for like diving deeper into that I think this is really important. Um, and then I'm curious to know, so you work at the bounce practice with myself. We help folks with eating disorder, disordered eating. I wonder how like all of these values and everything we talked about today in terms of like body politics and the positivity movement and, um, just diet culture in general, like how does that influence your practice with clients?
1: Mm. So much, it's so So much, I find it so much in the background that like, you may not actually hear me talking about this in session very often because like it's it can be just not where you are you know like it just it may not be time yet for us to talk about how it impacts a lot of us um so it I'll try to weave it in is kind of how it works Um, when I'm talking about like the political discourses around an issue. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's helpful to talk about so that we don't feel so alone with the problem. Mm -hmm. I I find that's a really helpful way to weave in our societal views and cultural views on a problem that we're having Mm -hmm. is to help us understand that like this idea wasn't mine someone gave it to me, or I just inherited it, or I noticed it over time, that this is what I had to do to be loved, or to feel connected, or to feel safe. Um, But that this wasn't a choice. And it wasn't my fault that, you know, I was, I believed as a young person that I had to lose weight to be worthy of love, or romantic connection, or of my family being kind to me about my body. Um, I know a lot of people really have some family stuff going on behind their body uh, image and food concerns. Um, So when I think about, you know, our own healing journey, I think it's helpful to understand that piece in like not carrying the shame and that the problem, that I invited the problem into my life right? But that the problem just always existed. Um, And it wasn't one that I invited in or that I chose to have as a part of me. Um, That it was one that I inherited is kind of how I think of it as like a really shitty dowry for most women. Um, And that like the complicated relationship that I have with my body wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I chose.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I think it's like Once you see all of this, once you learn about diet culture, once you learn about all these systems, like you can't go back, (laughs) you know. And for sure, it does influence like the way that we're able to counsel clients, right? Like it's such a different perspective of kind of like getting it where like all of these stories come from and being able to be there with them, but also support them and detaching from those systems. And I think that's really important, like so 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 important
1: and i think recovery is really hard for people when they're trying to like make peace with their body because we know that people in larger bodies don't do well in our society they're not treated the same they you know are on the receiving end of a lot of stuff that we don't want to experience so it's really protective for us to not want to gain weight um but like we can also appreciate that like I think for me, one of the biggest mantras that was helpful was like, fat is not the worst thing I could be. And that my values were more important to me um, than necessarily what I looked like, because I didn't, I, I could at that point appreciate that my size wasn't something that I could necessarily control in a healthy way. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you've added that piece of like how it is oftentimes protective. That's and then we learn different ways of finding sickness in our body without The eating disorder so we can move away From it Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast With me today I feel like this Conversation went all over the place But it was also very enlightening and just A really important conversation for us to Have so I'm really pumped that we got to talk About it today uh, Before we get going we're going to Finish off with our fun Questions are you ready yeah, absolutely. All right. The first one. The first fun question is what is your favorite food?
1: My favorite food would be tacos. I think with like a hard yes on tacos. Whether they're like <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of tacos they are, white girl tacos, the old El Paso packages are like my best friend. And then like also like the fancy tacos at like some bougie restaurant downtown. Um, for anyone who's local, Ola Cocina in Vanier is incredible. It has the best nachos I have ever had in my life. Freaking amazing! Mm, good tip. Good tip. We yeah. like it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, to, okay, if you guys, if anybody watches Harry Potter, uh, to be able to apparate places, to just like disappear and appear somewhere. Cause I hate driving in traffic, especially drives me crazy. So just being able to disappear and appear somewhere would be perfect. Yeah. And I love that. Like in COVID time too, like I, I want
0: that like mostly for the purpose of being like, you know what, tonight I want to have gelato and then I'm just going to like get to my butt to Italy and have gelato and then come back and then be like, you know what? I want to chill by the Ethel tie over
1: like you know just like do all the things <laughs> also like you took that way larger than i even thought like minus is so practical you're like i'm gonna go to italy and i'm like no i literally just want to go to the grocery store and for it to take a <laughs> it. I just the executive dysfunction of that adhd brain like i just want to be able to get there and not have to use any time to do it <laughs> that's very fair very like it's a very like practical and you're like let's go to Italy I'm like I didn't even think of that as much I don't want to have to drive for 15 minutes to go get groceries that's fair that's fair that's fair fair. (laughs) um what is your favorite way to self-care oh such a good question um So because I was a lifeguard forever, anything to do with water is like my thing. So whether it's going and being near water or on water in like a boat or a paddleboard or actually swimming, anything to do with water and even a shower can really hit the spot or bath, but anything to do with water is like my thing.
0: I love it. I love it so much. All right. And then last question for you, what does balance mean to you?
1: Mm, I think it's like embracing the paradox and nuance of like being a human, and just living in that tension. Getting really comfortable mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that so so much. Thank you so much again for spending this time here with us for anybody who's interested in working with Julie. Um, if you live in Ontario, of course, uh, virtually, um, she can support you in therapy sessions. So we'll link all of that in the show notes. Um, thank you again for being here with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was so
0: fun. Yay. All right. Have a good day. so awesome i'm so pumped that you guys got to hear julie's perspective on body politics and all things regarding the systems that we currently live in i feel again like this conversation is just so important to have and there's so many nuances and i think for people who live with many different privileges, I think it's really important to learn and to understand and to understand where it comes from too. So I hope that you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And if you did, please don't forget to rate, share, review the podcast, let us know what you liked. And again, if you want to connect with Julie, she works at The Balance Practice. She is a wonderful therapist there. So you can connect with her. If you live in Ontario, she offers virtual one-on-one therapy services. She also runs part of the group that we run within the Eating Disorder Program. So if you want to work with Julie, you can look in the link in the show note or go to thebalancepractice.com slash services and book a time with her. On that note, my friend, I hope that you have a wonderful day.